Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Liz Manischel. And I'm Ulrich Brissell. All right, this week we're really excited to welcome filmmaker, actor, probably many, many things, Tom Huang. Am I saying your name right? Because I just went for it. That's right. Tom Huang. It rhymes with yes. Bong. That's how people mostly remember it. Oh, Wong yeah. and Bong. I do something okay. similar with my name. I totally get that. Um, <laughs> what's, can, what's, what's your rhyme? Oh, it's man. It's a shell. Man, a shell. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I will now forever remember that. Thank you. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Rick, do you have anything? I do. Um, people get my name wrong all the time, and uh, I say it's like all Rick, like all the Ricks. You know? Okay. <laughs> so I, they're always I, like Alric or Arvar, Alric or you know Alrique. <laughs> So I just I just imagine a room of Rick Ashley's and then that's how I get it all Ricks. Okay. <laughs> oh, there you all go. the Ricks. Yeah, perfect. All the Ricks. They're all there. All right. <laughs> well, so um, Tom, I'm. Oh wait, you were about to say something. All Rick. No, you go ahead, uh, Liz. Man in a shell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tom, I met you at a film independent event, and uh-huh. you were pitching to us about this film, and. Yeah. I remember just think whenever I go to these events, like all the filmmakers who are pitching are very, very fancy. And I felt you were very, very fancy. That was my first thing I wanted to say. But my second thing is that was my segue into, can you tell me how you got to that event? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your one minute bio? Sure. I am a uh, indie filmmaker and sometimes TV writer. I, this is uh, my uh, this is uh, my third independent feature. And uh, on the along the way, I've kind of made paid the bills by like being writing for TV um, network sitcoms and uh, producing, directing, writing um, stuff for various uh, studios and independent things and things like that. And so like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm still waiting for like, uh, you know, to, to be able to do this uh, for a living full time. But um, with this film, it, it's been, it's gotten a little bit closer, which is great. And then with the film independent thing, um, I'm uh, one of my scripts was uh, selected for the film independent uh, screenwriters lab a few years ago. So I became a film independent fellow and they had just put a call out saying, Hey, do you have a film that you, you need help marketing on? We have this panel going on and i said yeah sure and then they emailed me back and said yeah sure and i was really excited and uh it was just at the right moment because we had just forgot that we we're going to um like do this kind of creative distribution with indie rights and we're going to do our own marketing and to like be able to pitch to um, a bunch of people like yourself liz and people from amazon and, and alamo draft house and things like that um it was just like just the right moment this serendipity oh i have like a trillion questions after that um, okay. intro um but uh the first one i want to ask is like what happened after that pitch what were you pitching for like was it for production funds or for post funds no it was a panel it was a marketing panel actually and it was all talking about like creative ways to market your uh, independent film and the great thing about the panel was that it was kind of set up to be like it was for films like hey what if your film didn't get into sundance or south by southwest and you still have this great film that got into these mid-level festivals you know that distributors didn't like flock to because they don't go to those festivals you know what are you supposed to do now that you know we've kind of figured out that like distributors for the most part uh you know unless it's a, a big film that was at sundance or something you know they'll give you a deal but they won't necessarily know how to market your film or like put any time into marketing it and and really you know i think we're coming to find that like marketing is probably the most important thing now for indie filmmakers as opposed to finding a distributor because we could like put up our film in various sites or put it up for people to see anywhere we want by ourselves now and so this 
a marketing forum which just had a bunch of people who were involved in marketing for films and TV and they said hey pitch your film and you know give they'll give you some ideas and you know ways you could you could pitch, you could uh, you can market it and so that's uh, that's how it came about and this is just to clear everything up at the beginning of the podcast this is for the film find me I don't even know if we've said that so I want to make sure we say that <laughs> but I remember nice. you got up on stage Tom and like by the way I didn't do any prep so I was very confused about what I was supposed to do <laughs> in terms of giving people feedback. Wow, there's like a trend in this conversation already. Yes. Liz doesn't do prep. And I remember you stood and you talked about your film and you were so calm and confident and charming. Like it was like a really a unique presence. And then I go and I start watching your film and I see this character who's so whose life has been sucked out of him in this film. Yeah. And I just now, I know Ulrich has 20 questions. I have, you know, at least 19. And I just don't, I want to know everything about like, whether you're an actor, whether you're not an actor, how you made this film. Okay. But I feel like Ulrich has the first question. Please make sure <laughs> well, to touch on those things. Well, well, yeah, go ahead, Tom. Let me just like, <laughs> yeah, so for, the, for the audience that are listening, uh, let me just say, Find Me is a film about um, an emotionally wounded accountant who kind of breaks out of his shell to like search for a coworker friend who uh, has left clues for him in national parks across the West. So he goes off and he goes to like parks like Death Valley and Yosemite and Zion National Park to try to find her. So that's just the, the basic log line for the film. And and then, yeah, so it's, I'll just say that so that everyone kind of knows what the film's about. Nice. And then I was just like, to follow what Liz was saying, are you an actor in training? Like what, <laughs> what is your, like were you an actor first and then a director, a director first, then an actor? Like how, how did this come about? Yeah, let, let's, let's wind way back. Um, when I was at UCLA as an undergraduate, I thought I, I wanted to be an actor. And so I started looking for places to act at UCLA, which is, by the way, 65%, 70% Asian. And I found that there were no parts for me as an Asian American, even at the, the theater department. Yeah. I mean, at the time when I was there, I think it, it got it definitely got better after I left. Uh, but uh, yeah. And so I, I just thought, I just realized like, if I want to, if I want to get involved in this, I'm going to have to like make roles for myself that are interesting for Asian Americans. And that's when I really got into, uh, decided I was going to write and direct. And so I became a creative writing major. But at the same time, I've always like, I've always loved acting and, and, and think it's great. I've always done improv and that kind of thing. But like, I, I realized that I couldn't put all my time and energy in, in doing one craft or the, at the same time with writing directing and acting and so you know i've always kind of acted on the side but like put all my energy into writing directing so since oh, then wow. um i went to um film school at loyola marymount university afterwards and then in all, at film school i acted in all my films just because i could and just so i could like keep that vein going for this particular film i, I kind of didn't want to act in it but when we figured out that we'd have to make this all ourselves with our own money it just made more sense being that the character could fit me pretty well it sounds like it sounds like i wrote a character that was like close to someone of my own personality so but it's not your personality that is what i'm saying <laughs> it is like it seems like i mean you would know best you know more yeah, than yeah. i do who you are but like this person seemed 180 degrees from you he is a version of me though so just like a reserve version of me like when i'm around people like i don't know or i'm uncomfortable with then there's a certain person I I am and if I'm you know around like Liz of course I'm very animated and happy and, <laughs> and, and loud um, and so yeah there's you know there's different sides of me so I would say that he's a side of me and also you know it, it actually is based on a person a friend of mine um, who I was I was close to who uh, went through a very painful divorce and and the way it changed him in ways that I never thought it could change someone really disturbed me and and, and also really uh, you know it it, it 
it stuck it stuck with me and so like i kind of followed uh, my my friend who was very close to too is into what he was and why he you know why it came about for him as far as as far as his his pain so it was like a mix of both it was like someone close to me and also myself a part of me in there so well it's just a testament to your acting ability because you know we re- you know liz obviously and i my, myself as well just really believed the character that you portrayed you oh know? great that's great and uh you know it was also a very endearing performance which i think doesn't always happen in indie film where you like really find a strong connection with the lead actor yeah. and um you know i felt that all the way through and then i didn't even realized that it was you until I saw the credits and I was like, oh shit, he started it and directed it? Fuck, this guy's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, I also like, I mean, however you know it, but like a lot of the heavy emotional lifting is done by my amazing actors that are around me. Oh yeah, uh, totally. So that, that was on purpose. Like I did not, when I wrote the, my character, I did not want to be in the put my position where, you know, I had to like do five takes of sobbing and crying. Some of my actors did just on cue, which is amazing. Yeah, how did you find Amelia? I thought, she, I mean, again, I've only seen like a little bit but i love her yeah yeah it's um so first of all we knew from the start that we would want to make this a sag film because i wanted you know real working actors and from my experience i know that there are plenty of amazing actors out there who haven't like quite have a huge name yet but are just you know really talented and that's just the benefit of being in los angeles i think you know casting in los angeles um so we did a, um, a sag low budget uh, indie deal which allowed us to hire you know sag actors for um, $150 a day plus paying for um, health insurance and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it made it affordable. And so we just cast, Amelia actually, we just cast from auditions. I had a casting director who, a friend of mine from in the Film Independent, like said, oh, I have this casting director who wants to do diverse films. And I met with her and she loved the script and really, we really got along. And said, so she helped me cast the film and she, she helped find like, Sarah and Kirby Howe Baptiste, who is the African American, actually she's actually African English um, actress um, in, from oh, the yeah. Death Valley, and she's also in Barry and and Killing Eve. And she yeah, just, I, I recognized her. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, 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 that makes sense. She's wow. amazing, and like you know, it's just I just I, you know, for any any filmmakers out there, it's like if you really work on it and have a really great script, and I don't know if you guys found us also like you'll be really surprised at like the people who like will read it and you know who have a lot of credits who'll come out and and say hey i want to do this um and that was the case with kirby in particular because you know i saw her reel and i was just like and she said yeah she want to do this and i called her and i said hey you know we're only paying you you know sag ultra low budget right i just want to make sure that we're clear she's like yeah yeah i want to do this and i'm like wow and so and then sarah in particular, um, the person who plays Amelia, she came in and and read, and it was great. And then she came in for um, a, um, a follow up read, and she read. Don't give it away. Yeah, I'm just saying she has a wow. big monologue, and 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 she just nailed it. And I'm watching it going. I, wow. you know, I when I started doing that, I'm like, that's that's who I want. And in particular, I wanted a, a diverse cast, so I was looking for a Latina actress. Um, and so, you know, that helped my, my casting director kind of narrow down the, 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 the kind of a pool of, of actresses, but we saw a lot of really great actresses. Um, and she, but she just had that mix of being funny, being smart and a little bit of that, like kind of darkness in her that I wanted from Amelia and also just a consummate professional actress, which was, uh, which is so amazing. Nice. Yeah. I have a like kind of side question, but like, 
Did you act in all your other features as well in your other two? I did, actually. I I didn't have as as a major part as I did in this one, but I always like wanted to act in it in, in my films um, just because I enjoy it so much. But it actually has helped me you know, learn how to act and direct in the film and find my style of doing that. Um, and so over the, the experience of my films, I found that like, you know, I really need to trust my DP, really talk with him or her beforehand and, and how I want it shot. And we talk the same language so that I could know that like, if we're, you know, running gunning that like, you know, they know exactly what, what the shot kind of shot I, I need to look like. Um, and then for me as a director, like when I'm acting with another, with a, in a scene, whenever I start feeling, when I feel that like the scene feels real, like I'm having a real conversation with this person, this person real conversation with me like we are having right now then i feel like okay that's a good take and then let's just do a couple more and then move on from there um so that's kind of like the, the kind of system that that, that i um, i developed and i think a lot of it has come from you know experience from film school and, and doing other films that has helped so Ulrich is about to make his first feature oh wow congratulations which is Thank very you, exciting. <laughs> yes. I just finished my second feature, and you, yes. Tom, have just entered into the three-feature um, yeah. dome. I don't know what you call this. <laughs> like, whatever the dome is. The, the, the three-feature club. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You alluded to this a little bit in your bio, like, about how you think things are a little are changing in a way for you and that you feel like a little bit more that you're breaking into or breaking out. Can you talk a little bit about that, the changes between different features and how your career has grown? Sure, sure. So my first feature actually I made in film school and I <laughs> I was ready to make a feature and I told my my uh, my my professor that I was making an hour long, I gave him an hour long script and then uh, he said, okay. And then I just ended up shooting like an hour and a half worth of stuff. And so I was really green. It ended up doing real well on the film festival circuit, which is great, but got a great write-up in LA Times. And then we just end up just distributing a DVD with some distributor that I just met, who's a nice guy, but not a huge distributor or anything. So that was fine. And then the second one we made, I actually got a sales agent that someone recommended. They found me a distributor. It was a new distributor from Canada. Um, and they had like 15 other films. And so they distributed it, and then after the first quarter of not paying us, they took off for Canada with everybody's money. And so, oh, shit. Wait, what's yeah. their name? What's the name of the distributor? Jeez, what's the name of it? Um, I'll Google it right now for you if you want. The, the guy's name, the guy who runs it is Rui De Silva. He's still in Canada, um, and he's also a record, I guess, a music producer as well. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah. So was, he just ripped everybody off. Ripped basically. everybody off and knew that wow. no one could really afford to go to Canada and, and chase him down. Wow. And that film also like you know, got a lot of great festival awards. We got great write-up in, in all these publications. And, and you know, it was like, looked like it was going to be okay for me. But basically, it was just, you know, independent filmmakers, like, nightmare. Um, and wow. Yeah, and then and then for these first two features, can you just tell, give us a rough idea of the budget level? Um, they were definitely under all under under hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. So and then same genre like drama, indie drama, or different genres. Yeah, I would say there are they're both dramedies. So Dra- uh, dramedies, drama, okay. with, yeah, with with some comedy elements into it. Like you know, my okay. my great heroes are like James Brooks. And, um, and Tom, I knew this is why we are friends. This, this, I'm, I'm like the tense is poor in my construction, but now I'm understanding this. James L. Brooks is my hero. Oh yes, absolutely, James L. Brooks. Wait, broadcast, say more directors. Broadcast news is like yeah, uh, Alexander Payne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ong, Ong Lee's earlier films. Cool, cool. I'm in. Um, yeah. yeah. Wait, you don't like just the say what's still and we'll be done. Yeah. <laughs> say Nicole Hall of Center. Say Alison Anders. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely. Thank you. Uh, and um, 
And then, oh God, I forget the, the guy's name. Uh, the guy who did The Station Agent. Oh my oh, God, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Station Agent's a good one. Yeah. I've been in fights with my parents over that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> you know, okay, it, right. I, don't, I don't know if it's, if it's, what it's like for you guys, but like, it's like, you know, you get caught up when you're trying to think of the next movie you're going to make, you know, about, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this. And you see the ones that, you know, are, are hating the big and Sundance or whatever. And then like, you see a filmmaker like, you know, for me, Alexander Payne or like, or I watch broadcast news again. And I'm just like, oh yeah that's the kind of film I want to make. And it kind of like, yeah. you know, centers you. And so like that, that, that kind of always happens. So for me, for find me, um, I was, I watched, I was like, you know, kind of writing it and kind of all over the place with it. And then I watched Columbus. Did you guys see that? It's our fellowship film. It was yeah, our yeah. first fiction fellowship that's film right. at Sundance for that's my right. department. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that's the kind of film I want to make. That's for find me. That's kind of centered me as far as just the, the look of it and the characters and the pace of it is like, so, you know, for me, it's like watching other films really helps me, um, you know, get centered of, of what I want to do with the films. So. Now I'm curious about uh, the third film. So yeah. you said the first two were oh, right, under right, hundred thousand. Right. So the third one, is it the same budget roughly or? Yeah, it's much same, the same budget roughly. It all came out of my pocket actually. Oh damn. That answers this, my, my next question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank, <laughs> thank goodness for some home equity. So this one, you know, I knew that after the, the debacle from the second one that like, I need to take charge more of everything and not I can trust people and that's you know the sad truth so my producer really loved the script my DP really loved the script and so all I really the film came about because of a lot of filmmaker friends who said hey I like the script let's all do this together you know that's actually what made it fun too but I think that you know I think there's a question that uh, that, that I saw before that like you know what what people what helped you make the film and it was actually just a network of filmmakers people like you guys people like you just I just met at film school and people I met at film festivals and and other things that I've made that we all got together and 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 that's the only reason I was able to make this film for for the the amount of money that I did so we shot it and uh, I had a, a test screening at, at at LMU with a bunch of my friends who I know were very happy to um, you know say bad things about my film and make me cry if they didn't like it, um, and <laughs> so which is important to me you know you want honest feedback um, and so after the the lights just about seven eight of them the lights came on after the film and I looked in the audience and like a couple of them were like crying and I was like what the hell? And it's like, and at that time when I knew that like something was going on with this film that like worked um, because, you know, I, I wrote, directed, acted, edited the film. So I'm so deep in this film. Like I, you know, I'm just like going on instinct and I don't, you know, I, I don't know what it is anymore after a while. Um, so this really helped me um, realize I had something here. And that's the first time I've seen that from a, from a rough cut of a film. And then we went to film festival circuit, went about 14 film festivals and universally the reaction from people was the same. It's like the lights come on, people are crying. And then people would just come up to me and say, you know, I came to see the national parks in the film, but then you got me hooked in the story. And these are, you know, these are across the country from Oregon to Arkansas, to Idaho, to New York, to Atlanta. Um, and so you know, it was like a bunch of test screens of people I didn't know. And that's when I knew like, holy crap, you know, we have some sort of connection here. And that's when I knew that like, 
um, I had an audience, a very specific audience, people who love natural parks and outdoors that I could target. When we we're done with the festival thing, that's when I knew that we had to do all the market. And then we got a bunch of really terrible distribution offers from people, legitimate companies. People come up to me and say, you know, you know we'll give you 50% or whatever, 45%. And what? then I would ask, yeah. <laughs> and then I would ask them like about the marketing plan and uni- university, all of them would say like, Oh, uh, we have people that can handle that. I'm like, well, can I talk to them? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we got these guys that can make posters. And I'm just like, no, I need to know a plan. You know, I, I can't just leave this in your hands when I know that we have a, an audience for right. this. It's your baby. Yeah. Exactly. And so when I just got a bunch of befuddled answers and also just bad deals, we found this uh, distributor, Indie Rights, um, who uh, got really good reviews from people. Um, I talked to a lot of filmmakers with them, and they also they're very honest. And they only took twenty; they only take twenty percent. They do all the work. Uh, there's no upfront fees, um, and I knew that they had done so much business that that I could at least know that I would get my money. And I knew that I would I want to take the marketing on myself anyway. And so that really helped us. We went with them. We did all our marketing, which is a whole other story that you go into. But basically, um, to tell you why this film has been so much stronger, it's like we got reviews and and places like outside magazine which is our, our you know one of the most um uh like respected publications for the outdoor market um and then like place like the holler reporter and chicago reader and all these places um really loved the film we got some great reviews and so i was like oh great okay so we have some great reviews we have a good start and then we started doing facebook ads as our main way to get the, the word out after the first couple weeks of just doing rentals and, and downloads my Distributor came back to me and said, "Hey, you know what? Usually we only do a week of this, and then you know, then we just send out to to Amazon Prime. But you guys have done so well; like we've do, you've done better than like anybody that we've ever seen as far as just rentals and downloads on Amazon." I'm like, "Really?" Uh, and so it's like, Wait, "Yeah, they only do a week of transactional." <laughs> well, it depends on it depends on the film, but like okay. they found Linda. they found with a lot they found with a lot of films that like people weren't just watching on on transactional through Amazon, you know, they they would just wait wait for Prime, and then once they got the Prime, it would just take off. So we spent six weeks on transactional, um, and then she said, "Okay, we're ready to do Amazon Prime," and then once it went to Amazon Prime, it just like took off, like. In a crazy way, the, if you if you look at our graph, it just like went from like you know a certain amount of number into the millions of minutes of views like per week. Um, oh wow! And, yeah, and then also people on our Facebook ads. These are ads now. Okay, uh, we put we put up an ad with a trailer, which you know we had worked very hard on research and targeting and all that kind of stuff, and we found a target this thing to work. And then I don't know if you guys get this with your social media ads, but like people were like tagging people on their ads and responding in the ad. Like it was a real post, you know, like, you know, Hey, Fred Smith. And, you know, and, um, Hey, let's, let's, Hey Molly, let's get together and watch this tonight. And they're like hundreds of responses like that going on this ad. And I'm like telling these people like, Hey, you know, this is an ad, right? It's like, yeah, it's so you funny. know, I'm, I'm, inv- I'm invading your privacy with this, you know, like, and, but people like saw it as like some sort of post and people are starting to, were starting to relate to it. And then I started getting emails from people and posts from all sorts of people inspired the film. This is what's been happening lately. And the viewership has grown steadily. And this is the, we opened in 
first week of June. The viewership has grown steadily every week since then, and it's still growing. And uh, I'm getting emails from people um, saying how much they're inspired by the film, how much they love the film. In particular, one guy was a um, this cancer patient who was going through um, uh, chemo, and he saw the film while I was watching chemo. and was so inspired. He sent me pictures of national parks he went to after he saw the oh, film. Wow. And wow. Like, you know, it almost like broke down in tears watching this. And so despite whatever happens money-wise with the film, like – Seeing all these responses of people inspired by the film, this made me realize, like, this is why I'm making movies, you know? It's like, I'm making movies because I want people to be inspired by film as much as I've been inspired by films like James L. Brooks. Um, And so to be able to actually feel that um, in a very tangible way like this um, has been really been amazing, and it's been such a step up from my other films. So, you know, long story short, like, that is really what's what's, uh, changed from the other Mother, mother films that I realized, like, you know, I'm actually reaching people with this. Um, and uh, it's been pretty amazing. Well, Tom, you answered all the questions on the outline. Like, <laughs> li- literally, I just went down and looked at all the questions, yeah. and they're gone. Elric, I'm, sure I'm sure you have things to say. Yeah, let, well, so let's back it up. So you're talking about the distributors that you were approaching before you got to indie rights mm-hmm. and the things they were saying. Were these like reputable distributors um, or were they like kind of the uh, the more unknown, smaller camp of distributors? It was half and half. Like some were reputable okay. um, and some were uh, some were like like newer up and coming ones. Um, I would say the, the reputable ones were the ones that are most like kind of dismissive of anything. That right. um, I had suggested, and 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 none, nobody was offering you any kind of minimum guarantee of any kind yeah, to earn any money absolutely. up front. Yeah, absolutely. Not. Okay. Yeah, that okay. was the other issue too. Is just like, you know, it's like if I'm going to put money into into market my own money in the marketing, it's like you got to help me out here, you know. And so with one distributor, we came very close to working on a deal, a marketing deal where they would put in writing how much money they would put in marketing and social media ads and like specific things. So wow. I knew that they were going in direction and then they pulled out at the last minute. Wow. And then I was just like, okay, well, there you go. And so, and why was Indie Rights the right choice? Was it because they were, took a smaller percentage and they sort of left it more into your hands as far as the marketing goes? Yeah, it was it was a, a number of reasons. One, um, the main thing was that you know we I, we vetted them. I talked to about fifteen filmmakers who were with them, you know, um, that I saw were with them, and, and emailed them. And the great thing is with the indie film community is like people love to like write back. I found people write back to you and want to talk to you and like help you out. And so all these people wrote back to me and said like, yeah, you know the. They they pay on time. Uh, they're honest. Uh, they're very helpful. So that was the, one of the main reasons. The other reason was yes, you know, they only took twenty percent and with no upfront. And also the third thing was like, you know, I knew that I'd be taking on this marketing myself. Any help I can get to deal with other crap, um, you know, I could put up um, this film on Amazon Prime myself and Tubi TV or whatever, you know. But then you know, that's just more work, and you know. I, Already, this is like an unsustainable, and I'm sure Liz, you can relate to this, right. a sustainable rate to like have a healthy life of just doing the marketing. And so, yeah. you know, taking 20%, I thought was, and I talked to my other, my producer and, and other people involved, and they, they thought that was, that was a good idea too. Just was more than an equitable amount to like, so that I could not have to worry about, you know, the, the distribution platforms. We still did actually theatrical ourselves. Oh, wow. But, but the, they did all the digital okay, stuff. Okay, but... but Back up, back up. So yeah. um, before we enter theatrical, what platforms did Indie Rights get the film on? They uh, Their main platform is Amazon. So they, they get on Amazon, Amazon Prime, uh, Google Play, 
uh, iTunes. All, all the, the ma- open transactional yeah. platforms. Yeah, all the big ones. Um, and then also Tubi TV. And then they also uh, they have a booth at Cannes and AFM. Um, and so they could also like handle you know any sort of international for you, uh, which is also a plus for us. Okay, so and the, but they don't Hulu and Netflix; those are all off the table, right? Yeah, those are all curated. So okay, and they, find, and they and they don't even submit to those. Um, if you really want to, they you know they 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 could they take a stab at it. But I mean, I think Linda has said like um, it's incredibly of, hard these days to get yeah. a one-off subscription VOD deal. Yeah, and she found that the deals that they were getting from them was just not was not as good as just doing it themselves on, on Amazon Prime. They're also really big. Um, I know Linda, and then they're also really big on AVOD over at Indie Rights. Yes. So they're going to talk about that Roku channel, which I'm sure they talk to you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so were you on Roku also? That hasn't happened yet. So all the oh, AVOD, okay. I mean, we got on Tubi, but like that stuff will come up like later on. So they have, they do have a, um, you know, a schedule. And then how long were you on Amazon, uh, you know, just for VOD, um, you know, for paying for the, the link? Was that like a week, you said? Two weeks, a month? Uh, we ended up going six weeks on VOD. Six weeks. Yeah. And then how much, um, and do you know the numbers from those six weeks at this point? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they said they're, they're very, uh, that's the other thing about Indie Rights is that they're very good about like, you know, telling us numbers. So can, do you mind sharing that with us? Like what you got back in your six weeks? I don't have the exact numbers uh, with me right now, but you know, it was basically just with the, with the AVOD, it probably ended up being about 25,000. Nice. That's pretty good, man. That's yeah. amazing. That's huge. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And then, and so, and then of course, like with, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, not AVOD. Uh, you're t- I'm talking about rentals and downloads. Right, uh, rentals and downloads, yeah, right. T-Bot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, TVOD. Um, and then, you know, of course, it's much less for um, for streaming. But the numbers we have been we have been doing on streaming has still made it, you know, very, giving us um, a healthy return so far. Um, so, so how, how many, and then six, so six weeks on TVOD, and then on, like, just on Prime, it's been probably, what, like, two months Let's see, on yeah, Prime? Mid-July to now. So yeah, and then what are those numbers? Just so we can hear too, if you mind. So sharing. Um, we've we've been averaging the last last few weeks. We've been averaging probably about uh, like one hundred twenty five thousand hours a week viewed. Wow! So that ends up to be like seven point five million minutes. That's what you've been getting. That's the kind of the kind of uh, the kind of numbers we're getting in viewership. And then I think the I'm not sure. Depending on the the customer engagement, they have some weird. Like you know, way of of computing uh, computing cost, but like it's basically you know some anywhere like less than ten cents a, um, uh, an hour that they give depending on your engagement rating or whatever they have this this new thing. So, so, so can, an idea. can you give us a rough number of like what the dollars are, or do you not have that information? I don't have that information yet, but that that's okay. that's a rough like estimate. You know, if you if, if you do those numbers. So how many million million minutes again? Did you say <laughs> we're averaging like the last three or four weeks? We've been averaging about seven point five million minutes a week. Seven point five million minutes, a which week. is about one hundred twenty five thousand hours. So one hundred twenty five thousand hours. Does um, and then Indy times that recoup? by ten. What's that? Nine percent. I'm just while well, Ulrich did the math, I was going to ask a question. Oh, so that's like <laughs> so that's like roughly ten thousand dollars in that's a week. Yeah, probably less than that because it's it's less than ten cents. So it's like maybe I'm not that sure. Was like eight, that was eight percent. That was yeah. eight cents. Yeah, it's anywhere. Actually, I think it's anywhere from like four to like seven cents uh, uh, an hour or something. So I think that's that's the range that it would be. 
Um, and then wow, so, and, and then any rights takes twenty percent off of that. So if it's eight thousand a week for eight weeks, that's like, dude, that's pretty good. It actually minus ten yeah, minus twenty percent. That's it. That's really rough because yeah, because the last I'd say the last four weeks we've been at that at that high number and it's like kind of risen slowly over that time. So you know, I would probably say it's it's you know. A little bit less, like yeah, less than that. It'd be less than that, yeah. And also, but, there's but no upfront it, it, fee, it, right? So that, they're the, going to recoup those costs the the cost to create the deliverables for you. No, so that's no, kinda... no, no. They, they they don't they don't charge that. That's a, the great thing about them. They they don't charge those upfront fees. So right, but they don't recoup they don't re- them. No, they don't recoup them. They, you know, you still you have to give them. You know, you still give them. You know, your movie according to, to the specs that they need. You know, right, that, right. that's your job but like but you're not paying them to encode it in a that's lab right. that's okay. right what, and and they're not providing posters or marketing materials you're doing that all on your own yeah they do some they do some really they do some some limited some limited marketing and they'll also like you know if you ask them to like send it out to like la times if you if you do a theatrical run they'll send out to like local la times Hollywood report or whatever but yeah they have their own their own social media marketing their own limited marketing but other than that yeah they won't they won't go and out and do a big campaign for for a film so so even so i did the math that you just told me and i got down minus the 20 percent cost it's like fifty two thousand dollars and like you're saying it's going to be less than that because those numbers that you gave me were only for the, the last few weeks but yeah. Like, let's say, like, even if it's just thirty thousand, that's still huge because if it's thirty thousand dollars on um, your, you know, streaming, and then you have the whatever it was twenty five thousand from the, you know, those six weeks, right? Like, that's already over fifty thousand dollars. That's half of your budget in, like, you know, that opening. Quad, that's a that's a great man. Yeah, that that that's that's where we're hopeful that we we keep it up. Um, but and, yeah. and that doesn't even count international, right? Because that hasn't happened yet. I'm not sure how it works. But I think it, it's available on Amazon Prime internationally, but like they they haven't uh, secured any international deals. Do they yet. have all rights? They have all territories, all rights. Yeah, other yeah. than theatrical, which you do yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and they'll probably be taking it to AFM this year to sell. I yes. imagine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. then you might be getting another like little chunk for each market they're able to sell it in, and like those markets vary between like five to ten thousand dollars. I don't know if that's still accurate, but that's what it used to be. So you might be able to get another like. You know, nice big chunk of money by the end of the year. It'd be, it'd be, yeah. I, I mean, I think that uh, the international market's tricky, so I'm not sure exactly how you know, because the you know what there was actually a time where like selling to China was. Uh, there's a lot of lot of opportunities there, but now with the tariffs and everything, it's tougher. Um, but right, you know, it's it's like I remember when I made my other other film. It was like international markets was definitely something that. TV, the international TV market was a great way to like get some extra money. But now everything is changing. I don't even know what what's going on. Um, like what people buy nowadays. There's also like a pretty big infatuation in in Europe with um, American um, national parks. Yeah. So I feel like you're going to hook some people in with that alone yeah. because you know people are flying from all over the world to go to these places. Yeah. That's, so that's what I'm hoping that we can like uh, hook hook that audience in for sure. Do you credit that with the film success? Is it the fact that you did a low budget film, but you still, you know, got garnered these like fabulous locations? Or is there some other aspect of the film do you think that's bringing people in? There's a lot of things that are going on <laughs> that like, you know, when I, when I started, uh, well, first of all, I think that the base of it is that we were able to make a good film. They connected with people, um, and that like there's something about a the the, not, the all that 
the landscape that we shown um, and the character of Joe and his relationship with, with, with Amelia that like people connect with and understand as far as like, I think there's for a lot of people, there is this like yearning um, to like go out and see these amazing places that they see in, in, in movies and TV and pictures and Instagram and their friends going to, but they just don't do it because of life, uh, you know, or because of their uh, impediments or their socioeconomic reasons or whatever. Um, and so like, this movie kind of speaks to that kind of wanderlust, I think, and also that kind of like thing that everyone wants to do, but like they don't do it. Um, I think a lot of that could that goes for a lot of us as far as like you know, there's always something, some way we want to live our life or we want to do something, and just because of the way life works out, it hasn't happened that way yet. Um, so I think that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people when they watch the film and, and see it. And then the other parts of it is just like like you said, the landscape. Like I think. Little things like the poster that find me that's set in, you know, that's we took, we just happened to take this picture in the Narrows that, like, with with him, with the main character on the rock and these towering canyon walls and the colors. Like, people see that and go, wow, that's interesting. That's kind of what hooks yeah. it in. And then the trailer that we used, I also do, uh, I, I do promos and trailers on the side as well. Um, I, I cut this trailer and when we uh, were testing targeted ads in Facebook, people were telling me, oh, you know, you should probably do something less, if you're doing video, do something less than 30 seconds uh, because of people's attention spans. I'm like, okay. So we tested a 30-second video, uh, a minute uh, trailer, and a, a minute and a half trailer. Um, and to our surprise, it came back that overwhelmingly the most people that, that were engaged with the ad watched the 90-second trailer. And so I think there's something about the trailer also that connects with the people that get them to even watch the film. And right. so, you know, and that trailer speaks to those, those themes I was talking about before that, that I think that people, why people like the film. And then when people actually watch the film, I think they actually like it, which helps because they tell their people. And then, so, you know, I would attribute things like the Outside Magazine article, for example, got a, a lot of our audience in. Um, the Facebook ad got a lot of people in. And then also, once it started going well on Amazon, Amazon started recommending it to a lot of people as well. And then we, we've we ended up on the top dramas list and the top uh, popular titles list. Um, and so I think that also just gets people interested in seeing it. And I think that um, and then once they see it again, like, I think they actually like it, which helps. Nice. You know, I think the main thing I realized a long time ago after my first two films is like, our film exists in a vacuum. Our, the main thing for little indie films like this is that, you know, you got, people got to know about the film. And so, you know, even if you have like a great theater you're showing at, like no one knows about it, no one's going to see it. Um, and so, you know, the, anything you could do to like get people, get the, a specific audience, especially to actually know the film exists, then you have a chance to maybe succeed. But if you can't get people to not know about the film, then it'll just, you know, it'll just be stuck in this bottle. So before we talk about um, social media marketing, which I really want to get into, let's talk about your theatrical sc- uh, yes. screening. Yes, that I was, was going to ask about that too. From my experience, my, my first two films, I, I, I realized that like, and also, um, Talking to um, Julia Caruso, who um, who produced Columbus, uh, Columbus, yeah, who's a amazing person, amazing producer, and you know, she actually, I'm just so grateful she just spent a little time with me just to talk about their experience, and also reading the Sundance thing that Liz, uh, the made case study that Jess Fuselier wrote. Yes, you should definitely. Sorry. <laughs> everyone out there should definitely definitely check that out because it really shows, like you know, 
how difficult it is to uh, get people in seats for theatrical. But at the same time, theatrical, any sort of theatrical is a great marketing tool because uh, you get like, uh, you know, we got a lot of write-ups from LA Times, Hollywood Reporter, you know, all these things that, that needed that needed a one-week-long screening to like qualify for them to even look at the film for a review. Um, in addition, like it helps, you know, helps you um, just show um, international people like Kate has had like a, a theatrical uh, debut um, and also help social media talk about your theatrical um, exhibition. Um, and then also it, it qualifies you for things like film independent spirits awards and things like that. So I think that like, if you're going to do a four wall, like, like we did um, you need to look at it as a marketing expense and not as a moneymaker. Columbus is kind of a bad example because it's an it, outlier. Yeah, it ended up making most of his money in theatrical. But Julia told me specifically, like it was very painful. You know, you're it's like if you gamble, it's like gambling. You know, thirty dollars to win like five. That's just the background of what we decided about theatrical. So, 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 how many theaters did you end up um, four walling? Was it just one? Yeah, or? absolutely. Just we okay. uh, we four walled a, a Lemley theater for a week, and even though it, which Lemley? Just out of curiosity, the music hall. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we decided that that was a good place because it was more central than. I mean, you know, they have other theaters there and and then how did you get reviewers to come to see the movie during the film festival circuit i was able to get like three or get like three or four reviews just from film festivals from just just calling every publication that was in near that 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 film festival to see if they would discover it um and i was very fortunate i got like three or four reviews just from that and on top of that they were uh, rotten tomato critics so they, they counted toward toward a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes reading, and then for the LA uh, screening, I um, have a uh, PR friend um, who uh, works with independent films, Dave Magdell, um, and so I knew that he was really great with Asian American filmmakers um, as well as just indie films, and so we worked out a very limited scope um, where he would like get it out to reviewers um, in the LA area for the theatrical, and so my films before I actually went to the to the LA Times and Hollywood Reporter and Variety myself and asked them and um, when I four wall before and they were they actually review the film still so you know you could do it yourself if you want but again that's just more time that takes off you know off your life <laughs> uh, so you know if you can find a good PR person I'd I would highly recommend it wait who is your PR person who is uh, it? Dave McAdell oh uh, Dave very McAdell. fancy yes. yes yeah. yeah. He, uh, I've, uh, since I've screened a lot of films at the Los Angeles Asian American Film Festival, he and I, uh, become friends. And so he, uh, he really, uh, is a great champion of independent film and, and also Asian American film. So, you know, he, he, you know, we, we hired him, but he, he make, made it work out so we could do within, within our budget. Well, I, I mean, I have selfish reasons for continuing on this, this topic because I'm trying to decide what scope of theatrical I'm going to do for myself. Well, this, this is what please I would, go on. Yeah. Uh, that's what I tell you. Is that like, um, so that was, we end up being the, the top. Oh, the other thing I did also was like, uh, I happened to have another friend who was releasing his independent feature. And so we split the four wall. And that split our cost in half, and we still nice. got two screenings, two screenings a day, and that was immensely helpful as far as the costs. Um, so I would highly recommend that if you can, because again, we were together. We were the top grossing um, screen for that for that week, and we still didn't make our money back. So 
it's just very difficult to get people. And in then how much, uh, how many advertising did you do for the four wall? We did, I just did social media ads and um, also um, the PR. So we got a lot of, um, you know, we got, I got a lot, a bunch of interviews, some publications around um, uh, Asian American and, and regular. And so those, that's basically what we did. But I, what I found, Liz, is that like a lot of interest, at, even after our, our release now, of people wanting to screen the film because of the, you know, it's kind of like a big screen kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. That makes sense for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in fact, you had told me like at, at the forum, you suggest like, hey, why don't you do a hike? And then at the end, like show the film and, yes. you know, at the end of the hike, um, which actually logistically is very difficult. But um, <laughs> I started like reaching out to people around uh, outdoor groups and people are like, yeah, we want to screen this film. And so we actually we have like uh, 12 about 12 cities of groups and in, 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 in those 12 cities are, are uh, interested in screening the film and just set up a screening. Um, and so that is going to be like our actual theatricals, like a year long, just kind of tour. Um, like once, most of them are one-time screenings, um, but still it's like, you know, it's just a little bit of chunk of money that we're, that hopefully we'll add together. And then like randomly, like um, we recently, um, indie, at indie theater in Corvallis, dark side cinema. I don't know if you've, Heard of them? Um, they're a great little indie theater, um, but they heard about the film when we screened outdoors in Eugene, Oregon, and they said, "Hey, yeah, we, you know, we'll, we'll do a one-week run of this." I'm like, "Okay," and so I sent them the film, and then it, it ended up doing so well, and it, it ended up running for three weeks. And so I think you also find if you just call like a lot of these indie theaters and just explain, like, you know, show how well your film is done, or like explain, like, you know, uh, that they'll listen. Um, and so you could like book theaters that way without four-walling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all the screenings we're going to be doing is like screenings where it's not we're, we're not going to put up any money. It's like that's the main thing. We're not going to put up any money. If someone's going to help us put to get put it up there, then yeah, that's great. That's how we're going to do it. That's basically um, how theatrical has worked out for us. Unsolicited suggestion for your um, hike slash screenings is Easy yes. Adventures. Yes. Easy Adventures with Find Me. That's my uh, unsolicited suggestion. What? So why Four Wall then? That's where I'm stuck with because I am booking my own theatrical and I'm booking actual rev shares with the theater. And I'm just wondering why you decided to go the Four Wall route. And maybe we should, do we define things on this podcast? Should we define <laughs> things? Is it weird if we define? Okay. But I don't think so. Yeah. I think that, that's people. But like you're essentially reserving the theater for a week and paying for all expenses to screen right. your film and then getting all the, the money to you rather than a booking with a rev share, which would be splitting the ticket sales with, with the exhibitor. Right. Yeah. Um, well, what went into that your decision? And sorry, Ulrich, if this gets way too theatrically nerdy. No, no, this is good. I, I and I want to know like hard numbers. Like, how much does it cost a four wall? And then how much did you get back too? That's like another part of this. Liz, your, to answer your question, like, um, I just found it like for a very small film like mine um, that didn't have any sort of you know didn't go to any any big any big uh, festivals or anything like. For my last film, I called around the theaters and they just, they just weren't interested. You know, it's like they didn't have any in the Los Angeles area anyway. And they had plenty of other films to choose from that they, you know, if they didn't have any sort of like backing behind it somehow that they, they weren't, they just weren't interested. And so I didn't think anyone would be interested actually in, in, in booking uh, the film 
um, just from my festival run. I would love to talk to you about like how you <laughs> go about it. So I could. I, I only made one booking future. so far, so yeah. it's like it's not a success story for me yet. And I haven't tried LA. I'm, yeah. That's why I keep asking you about four walling in LA because I'm very nervous about making an LA booking. That's scary. Yeah, but that's the thing is that like that's why you know if you look at it as a marketing expense as opposed to like you know put it in your marketing budget, then it's a lot easier to like to to decide to do it. And so, you know, I think Lemony charged us like $6,000 and we split it in half. So it ended up being $3,000 and we ended up making $2,000. So, you know, that's, that's numbers oh, that we had for it. But, but you know, like a thousand dollars for a four wall seems pretty inexpensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's, that's a thing. It's like whatever you do to, to do that. But like, I would say Liz that like, First, try to see if you get a booking because you have, you know, you have a track record. Um, and then if not, then, you know, if if you think LA is a big market for you to like, to exhibit in, uh, don't be afraid to four wall. I mean, I don't think it's gotten more expensive than, than, than before, but it's still like, you know, I think it's a great marketing expense. It, it has a lot of positives to it. And I just and realized, oh yeah, yes. Oh, sorry. Where did you, where did you book your uh, theatrical I made my first at? booking at the Roxy in San Francisco and we're playing in December. Yay. Awesome. Yeah, Yay. I'm really Rocky, Roxy. And Roxy's I, a great theater. Yeah. And also like, that means I go up to the Marin and I get childcare because my parents <laughs> live go. in Marin. So it's and, like, I, cool. and I get to go see the movie in the theater because oh, I live in San Francisco. That's right. I should oh, just do God. a whole Bay Area thing. <laughs> That would be fun. I just realized, to talk, you know, Tom, we didn't ask you about this, but you're essentially also doing something not backwards, but uh, very creatively in the sense that you did four wall. Now you're digital and then you're going and doing a theatrical tour after all of this, which yes. is kind of unheard of. Yeah. Um, and I know we want to get into more costs and and nitty gritty stuff, but you said that, that that doesn't involve like that doesn't cost you any money, right, to do this tour. Yeah. And what is the mentality of it just to continue to spread the word about the film? If we can make all together from the tour, like, I don't know, 2500 to $5,000, like that all goes into the pot of making our money back. Um, and plus, I think it's a great marketing tool as well, just to have a screening and talk about it and people talking up to other people and like people get more awareness of the film and, hey, I'll, I'll check it out on Prime. You know, and, and in particular, you know, most of these groups are either like, uh, are usually someone involved with the outdoors. Um, and so like, you know, that's a group we want to talk to. And so even if they don't come see the screening, they'll hear about it in their area. So, you know, that's, that's a positive for us. So, and then, you know, the other thing too is just, I've also been doing talks at REI stores across Southern California um, about, oh, nice. the, about the hikes in the film. And it was great that like these local REI stores are willing to have me come in. Um, but also, you know, at these other cities I could do, you know, I could, I talk to the REI stores there and see if they want me to do a talk there. And that, that's just another marketing thing to go with the tour. Yeah. So that's, oh, wait, that's the way I kind of look question at it. about the tour. Yeah. Um, so I mean, maybe I missed this, but are you splitting ticket sales with the groups that you're partnering with for these screenings? It depends. It depends on 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 the situation. Like you know, some situations it's like it's a group who actually are just sponsoring the event, um, and so they'll give me a screening fee. Um, and then some groups, uh, you know, they'll be they'll have a box office, and then we'll talk about splitting box office. Um, okay, so, yeah. so you're either getting a screening fee or you're splitting ticket sales. That's right. Nice, yeah. awesome. That's, That's smart. smart. And then uh, I really, really want to know, like, how much you're spending on your social media marketing, 
and and how you decide to like allocate those funds. In my research and talking with uh, uh, that I've done online, also like talking to people like at the forum and and other other filmmakers, it's like first of all, I was told that like as far as distribution and marketing budget, like you should take your budget and double it. And so, like, we kind of like did that. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> people. <laughs> Damn. But people were telling me like you had to spend at least thirty thousand dollars. I was like, I can't spend thirty thousand um, dollars. And so I didn't know. I, you know, I, I was like, okay, let's just see where this goes. I'm not sure how, how this is going to turn out. Um, so I budgeted ten thousand um, dollars for just just for social media ads. Um, okay. And then as I saw that things were going well for the film, going well with the social media ads, we we upped it to about fifteen thousand um, dollars. So this is over what about a four four month period, and so definitely it was it's been you know front loaded. A lot of it was spent in the beginning, and less is being spent now. But that's and then is this all Facebook, or are you doing it across multiple platforms? Well, Facebook Facebook you know owns Instagram, so the way it works is like you could have Facebook decide where the best place to do the ads, or you could like pick you know either Facebook you know mobile, Facebook like messaging, or or Instagram. At first, like we did some test ads, and we just let Facebook decide, and we noticed that it was all going to Facebook people. This seems like something that would be a great Instagram kind of ad because people on Instagram just love pictures of the wilderness, as we found. Um, so I just tested just on Instagram, and it turns out like Instagram was like not doing as well as Facebook. So like whatever, the Facebook Facebook robot was definitely more smarter than I was. From then on, I just let Facebook the the bot like decide where they're going to send the ads, and it ended up working pretty well. And, it, and it, I guess it kind of makes sense that like we noticed that like our audience was like skewing like a little bit older, like you know thirty five to sixty, as opposed to like you know. And and that's Facebook kind of skews older than than Instagram, so that makes that kind of makes sense. And so yeah, we, that's what we did. We did a lot of. Um, I had um, a friend again, another friend. This is all about finding friends. Uh, I have a friend who um, does digital marketing for nonprofits. So he came on board uh, to help me out and just consulted with me um, as far as like how to set them up and like kind of look at the numbers and give me some ideas of what the numbers mean. And so we tested different ads. Um, we tested different trailers like I was talking about. We tested uh, different audiences as well. Um, and by audiences, I mean not age, but like test audiences by, you know, their, their keywords or, or their likes. And so... You know, we started testing out like national parks and certain national parks and like REI and like hiking and like Asian American film and like indie film. And after all the kind of testing, um, we found that like the one, the sweet spot was like people that like national parks or people that like REI and North Face. Like, oh, products, that's funny. You know, things like that. And so like we, so we have two, we had to end up making two sets of ads, end up finding out that that 90 second ad was the, was the best. And so we got doing the 90 second ad to those two different targets. And that's, what's been working well for us. So stupid question, but then is that those two ads that you, you hone down, are those the ones you just keep on replaying that ad over and over again to different markets over time? Or do you do multiple different types of ads that you just put money into? In the beginning, it was like a lot of different multiple ads because we're testing them. And then also Facebook has ads has a feature where you could do a head to head thing where you could put out you could put out two ads at once and it'll it'll track how well each one does. 
and then tell you which one is the best out of those two. But people have told me that, like, my digital market has told me that it also takes a while for their algorithm to figure out what the best efficient way to get out to the right audience is. So after we did a bunch of multiple ads, we just stuck to two different ads to do different, uh, to one ad to do to do different uh, target audiences and let the algorithm kick in. Oh, wow. So it's just one ad to different audiences. Yeah, that's what we found out what wow. worked out best for us. But like okay. now, if I want to continue, and I don't know if I do, because we've kind of like, you know, trying to figure out how much more money we were willing to put into the ads since we've kind of like exhausted our budget. It's like, do we want to, now we can either go back to people that have engaged with the ad and like do a different ad for them or, you know, do a different campaign. I don't know, because uh, definitely it feels like now that like this particular campaign has gone for a long time and, you know, uh, now we just gotta we gotta I, I gotta sit down with my digital person and say is it smart now to keep doing ads or have we reached our peak? Right, and then when you're doing this, is, I'm really asking these questions because I'm really I might be doing this for myself soon. Yeah, yeah. But like, do you put like five thousand dollars into like an ad to one market and then you just say schedule over whatever six weeks or is it like you're running that same ad multiple times through different posts like with less dollar amounts to that ad the way we, i've been doing it is um i go week by week and see how things go by each week so i'll take an ad and like say okay run this ad to this to these two groups and then you know put in like say $500 for the week and let's see where that takes us. Um, and then I'll look, I'll get back to numbers and see if it, you know, how well people responded to it. So basically I do by the week and see how, how will they do per, per week. So Tom, yes. earlier this week we spoke to someone who made a half million dollar movie and then did an eventized theatrical run. Mm. And we learned from her about her transactional numbers. And then a few days later, we talked to a micro, micro budget filmmaker who makes films for $3,000. Wow. And no matter what, always makes a profit and just wants to keep on churning out the work. Yeah. So you're in this space in between them. And we're in, we're both in very similar budget levels, by the yeah. way. That's, okay. you know, so I've, I clearly have a horse in this race and the horse is to support this kind of. <laughs> Um, model, but I yeah. was curious: is that is this your plan to keep on making movies at the hundred k range? Is it to go bigger? What what do you what is sustainable? What do you think is the right? Goal? I think that I think I mean you uh, you and I have kind of like talked about this, and I see it from your Facebook posts. I don't know. I mean, I'm I think it's very you know this is very doable for anyone to do for our for our budget range, but as a lifestyle. I don't know if this is sustainable. In fact, I would say this is not sustainable for like sanity, you know, to like do your own marketing, right? The reason I, I think we're able to like be able to make a profit on this, hopefully, knock on wood, is that like I've done everything, right? And then um, my producers helped and like other people have helped too. And, I, and I've asked for a lot of favors and, and help. Um, and so like how much can we do that every time for a film? I don't know. You know, um, so, and other thing too is like, you know, I've been working so hard on this marketing and all this other stuff, but like I haven't had a chance to like get on these other two projects that I want to get off the ground and that do the thing that I really want to do, which is writing and directing. And so if I could, I don't, if I can make a film like this where I knew I find this audience and that like it does this well, then yeah, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, and then also just, you know, put some money into hiring other people to take care of this other stuff. But, you know, the question is like, is this a one-off? Like, you know, did I, did I find like this the perfect like storm or like, can I do this again? I mean, as we know, like, you know, filmmaking 
it's a gamble. It's like, you know, we're just like, even if we have the greatest film, it's like, if we don't, if we don't get the perfect things kind of don't come together, people not, might not watch it. Even with films that made the Sundance, you know, right. I would say if someone could guarantee me that like, we could like do this well, if it, with the film, if we keep thinking, you know, thinking it out in the right way, I would love to keep doing that because of the creative control and like, you know, the kind of like hands on and everything kind of aspect of it. On the other hand, it's like, if, if I had to like keep kicking my own ass and killing myself to like do this, like, you know, I would love to be able to just make a film that someone funds and like I could just concentrate on making movies and like have other people deal with this other thing um, of marketing and, and, and distributing. Um, so if I, you know, if that means make, making a film that I could get, make a bigger, have a bigger budget, um, of course, I would love to, I would love to do that. But of course, finding people to fund your films is probably the most difficult thing uh, out of all of this to at least get, get things started. Have you always self-funded all your films? You said you self-funded the, this one but did you self-fund the other two yeah also? yeah i did well have you ever tried to get investors for your films yeah I, that's the thing uh, i did uh, for my this film that for uh dealing with dad this is the one that uh, went to the screenwriters lab at film independent i had a great producer on board um and I had a great casting director and so you know I thought that okay, let's let's see if we can make make this work as far as like finding funding. People seem to like really like the script. It was just you know that we go out to people and, and and try to get people attached. It just it would just it just take forever and it wasn't working. And so yeah, I have tried it. Just it just it's just very difficult, you know. And right. I'm not getting any younger. It's just like you know for Find Me. Actually, I made Find Me because it was getting so hard to to find funding for dealing with Dad. Um, because I just said to myself, I need to make a movie. I can't sit around and just like, you know, wait for this. Like I want to make a movie I can make now so I could just keep being a, a better filmmaker. That's when I decided decided to, you know, just I just need to do this. And so we set this micro budget and shot it over a year. Um so that we could afford to do it, we could still work our, our, our oh, side wow. job, you know, our, our day jobs, right. and, and make this. And it wor- ended up working out pretty well for us, actually, because we would shoot three or four days a month, and then um, I would edit the the footage, you know, during that month, and then the scenes would be done by the time we shot the next scenes. And so by the end of the year, we had basically had a rough cut ready to go. Oh um, wow! So that actually ended up working out for us. That, that was the other thing I was curious about. Is like, what is your day job? Are you like a freelancer, just doing a bunch of different things? You said you do editing trailers. You do what, what, what kind of work do you do i'm a freelance uh, producer writer editor director um so yeah i just go out and 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 you know whoever needs whatever job whether it's someone that does everything producer writer editor um or someone just in the writer or editor or producer then I, i'll do that as well yeah i've been able to like um knock on wood just been able to cobble together hustle enough jobs over the past few years um to, to keep things going nice that's what I do. So I, I do uh, producing, editing, and shooting are my three freelance jobs right. that I make money on. Yeah. And I just bounce from job to job, yep. basically. Uh, you and I in the same boat. Yeah. But I mean, it's been working pretty well, you know. And uh, I always think about getting like, a full-time job and the nine-to-five and trying to – maybe that will give me more time to work on my movies. But I don't know. And be like more secure. But I kind of feel like, yeah, maybe the freelance thing, maybe that just works. Yeah, I think uh... – Definitely being freelance is great because I could work and then I could work on my own stuff on the side. Um, but then, you know, uh, I do have a family. So like, uh, as as Liz probably knows too, it's just like, you know. It's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's the worst and the best at the same <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, I mean, I've had like full-time jobs before, you know, doing producing, editing. And also I, I've written for four network sitcoms. Um, 
but uh, but definitely it's like it does sap away you know your energy and 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 um, not if they have boundaries. I've, yeah, I've been lucky and I've been able to find jobs that are forty hours a week. That's great. And I think that's the only solution. Yeah, you can't work in development and go to drinks at like from like seven to eleven every night. Right, and, you exactly. know, whatever it is. Like <laughs> you have to you have to have a job that that allows you to turn off a little bit so you have right. mornings, evenings and weekends. Right. And I like and I'm sure you both find it like these kind of jobs also you just meet other people that that are interested in making movies. And so it does yeah. it does help to, you know, to have this network of of, of friends that um uh, can do you know cool stuff what's next man like after you've 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 gone through these three experiences with these features you've had the most success doing this thing that you don't necessarily want to do for your your life like you don't want to be a marketer forever but you did a good job at it obviously what is your plan like are you gonna try to replicate this this sort of model you did with find me are you gonna go out and like now with all this proof and this firepower yeah like try to raise money uh more of like with it back with some of the people who've told you no before and do it that way for your next film you know i definitely have projects i'm ready ready to go with i have like three projects that i'm i'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm looking to get off the ground so there's this dealing with dad project i told you about with went to the film independent uh screenwriters lab you know i think that it's about an asian american family dealing with a depressed dad who's an asshole um, and who's actually nicer, depressed, than well. And uh, so it's kind of like The Farewell, and it's kind of more like Nebraska, um, one of my favorite Alexander Payne films. But it's centered around an Asian-American family. And also a great football team. Yeah, and also a great <laughs> Go Huskers. But like, you know, unlike uh, Find Me, which has this very specific outdoors audience, I don't know if Dealing With Dad has a very specific audience. I mean, obviously Asian-American, but I don't know, having other films, Asian American themed films, like, I don't know if I could depend on that as far as like an audience to target. With that in mind, I don't know if I could go with the same model with this film that I can with, with that end up working with Find Me. And so that's been very difficult for me. The Farewell obviously has done very well. I'm so happy to see a film like that um, do well. But, you know, I think also the fact that it got into Sundance really helped. And also the fact that, you know, it, you know, uh, A24 bought it for $7 million, you know, help, helped its prospects. But like, is my film going to get into Sundance? Uh, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't bank on that. So uh, that's one project I'm, I'm mulling over. Like, you know, I'm definitely going to make it like, but I think in right. one more, I'm going to have to make it for like, you know, under definitely under $100,000 and just make it because right. it's kind of film I can make just choosing a house. The other film, other project I'm working on, of course, is like um, a sequel to find me. Um, that we found this audience, oh, very wow. engaged audience who loves this, the film and also loves the message. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a direct sequel or just a similar film about the outdoors, but I'm working on that story now. And like, I found that there's also like um, a lot of um, outdoor companies uh, uh, are very interested in getting involved in helping sponsor a film like that, either with goods or with you know actual sponsorships. And so I went to the outdoor retailers market with find me and with, and talked to a lot of these people and they're like, Hey, this looks great. I wish you came to me before you shot the film. Cause we can't really help you now. Oh, wow. Like what would they have helped you with? Like, um, you know, with actual funds? Yes. Uh, so some were, you know, could help me with, with actual sponsorship with the film after the film is done, like sponsor screenings and, and sponsor, like, you know, um, uh, a tour or whatever. Um, others could just help with products, you know, and also product placement, um, you know, we could discuss those kind of things. I know the other, 
I've talked to the outdoor filmmakers who have got, have gotten that done. Um, so that's good to know. And plus, that you know, knowing that there's this outdoors film audience is hungry for this kind of material, for narrative material, not just documentaries about you know guys who climb up face walls without without ropes and almost kill themselves. Right. Um, right. You know that that's helpful to know too. Um, so that's another project that I think that we could like that we can like you know look into like you know following this kind right. of model to make it work. I um, mean, the third project I'm working on is is a film noir set in the internment the Japanese internment camps in World oh, War II. Oh wow! Um, that we want to shoot in black and white and all that kind of stuff. And I think that so that'll be even more expensive because yeah. the period piece and all that. Right. But I think that uh, that film actually has a lot of aspects of it that we could actually that's sellable or to to get it funded. More so than my other film. And so, do you have management or an agent or any of that stuff? No, I had one when I was working for TV and then lost them. And so now I'm actually acti- actively looking for um, for a manager. Um, in fact, feels like you're a really good catch because you got three features. You've got uh, marketability. You've got a proven track record of making money back on on your feature with some actual hard numbers. You know, I feel like you're the perfect person. That... You would you would think that, wouldn't you? But uh, I I do think that. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've talked to some managers, and you know, they just they just don't unless like you know the film got picked up by an actual studio. It's like it's been it's been a hard uh, hard ride. I don't know. It, to me, it's like you're at this opportunity, right? Yeah. You, know, you have this opportunity to to really push yourself out to uh, this other echelon in a way, and I think it would start with getting representation. So I feel like if I were you, that would be my play. Like, you, you know, know it's like I have these three projects, projects uh, that, that are all ready, ready to go. go. There's good, good things about each one of them that, that um, can make them more you know makeable and yeah. doable. And and marketable, you know, in their own ways, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that would be like the that's it's the, the the time to seize that basically. Yeah, yeah, would be now. That's what I'm hoping. I mean, that, I'm actually reaching out and inquiring for inquiries with a lot of magic companies right now, just just going one by one and seeing if they, they will look at my stuff. And so, gotten some people looking at my stuff. Uh, we'll see if that works out to anything. But I'm just in the process now, and it's. Uh, you know, just another <laughs> another indie filmmaker thing to deal with the the hope that we right. can get together. So I guess the last question is like going through all this experience and making these films, you know, and being in the same position roughly that you were before, except you have way more ammunition. Obviously, mm-hmm. w- will you just keep on making? another like movies like if like you know you don't get a manager you don't get any support you don't raise money are you just going to go on and keep on doing this or do you see like the ending to this path that you that you've been on i really hope so and I, and that's what i plan to do you know we'll see where, where where life takes me on this i would love to just keep making you know i'd love to do a mix of things i love i love love to like direct for other people write for the people you know get paid to do it and also just continue making small films like this because like i think there when when you get hired as actual director or writer you know that's you have a client that you're actually working for which is you know which is great right. you know you're getting paid um but like to be able to also just work on something that is fully yours and fully your vision um, I think that helps you get through working these other jobs and also just makes you like, you know, just kind of happier that, you know, that at least, you know, there's one project, you know, you're going to make that you're going to make it your way. There's are great opportunities too, but like, at least it allows you to like, feel like, okay, I can, I could deal with working with other people's, making sure I get other people's visions right. But also I could also be working on something that's my own thing. Um, so I think that, you know, as time goes on and I, I hope that I will be 
continue to like just work my own thing as well as working on, on things for other people. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole thesis statement for my uh, career and life as a filmmaker is to basically just keep on doing it myself. Yeah. So like get this first feature done and then make my next feature and my next feature and my next feature. And if I never, you know, get that support, you know, from like a manager or an agent or a producer who wants to fund my project or whatever it is, that I'll just keep on doing it the way that I've been doing it and just push myself forward, you know? Yeah. And hopefully get better at raising money and, and hopefully be making money back from my investors on my uh, previous projects so that they'll want to reinvest in me yeah. on the next one. Yeah. But like, you know, I just feel like this, this is the life that a filmmaker should be prepared for is to be kind of doing it all on your own because yeah. And I don't think anyone's coming to, to save us here, you know, yeah, like yeah. And it needs to be like this, like you have to make it sustainable one way or another, even if it is like you're just funding your own movies, like maybe you make enough money where that's a sustainable thing that you can just keep on doing, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And I think that um, I came to realization uh, a while ago that like, you know, what makes us filmmakers is not, you know, some contract you have with, you know, Sony Studios or whatever. You know, what makes you a filmmaker is you're making films. You know, you're make, actually making something and showing people things you're making. And when you're doing that, then you're a filmmaker, you know. And if you stop doing that, then that's really when you've you stopped. <laughs> you're not making films yeah, anymore. <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, and so with that in mind, it's just like, you know, for filmmakers out there, it's like, you know, don't don't like this whole like getting hired or like getting, getting paid or whatever, which is of course important. But make a movie, you know, whether it be a, a five minute short or, you know, a two hour feature or whatever. Make a movie, and then you could. I think you'd definitely, you know, you'll call yourself a filmmaker, and that's who you are. Yeah, absolutely inspiring words, man. So I think we should wrap things up here. Uh, where should they find your work? What should they do? What do you want our audience to? How do you want them to find you? Well, uh, right now, um, you can watch Find Me on Amazon Prime. Um, it's also available for download and uh, rental on Amazon Prime. It's also available on Google Play and uh, on Tubi TV. Also uh, available on DVD and Blu-ray. We just released this week on Blu-ray and DVD, actually. Oh, nice. With extras, if you if you like the film, like commentary and that kind of stuff. And, and where can you get the Blu-ray and the DVD? Is it all just through Amazon.com yeah, or yeah. through your website? Any, any of the uh, major digital... Um, um, markets like Amazon, Walmart, Best Buy. Um, it's on there. Just look up Find Me. There's actually been a, oh, a bunch of the nice. films called Find Me. So look for Find Me with Tom Huang or Find Me About. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's where you can get it. Nice. And really, really quick, did that come through uh, Indie Rights doing the, the Blu-ray release? Yes, yes. That's part of the thing. Oh, nice. So yeah. Part of part of their deal. And then they put that whole package together or did you have to put together and deliver it to them? You have to put together and deliver it to them, but, okay. but uh, there's no upfront cost still though. So like, nice. um, you know, you just give them, you have to deliver them the, the, the materials, but um, everything else they take care of. And then also oh, the, the, the duplication and all that. Yeah. It's actually, um, there's a new, there's new technology now where um, they send it to a company that actually makes discs on demand. Um, so oh, there's, nice. There's no there need go. for like, you know, buying a bunch of made pre, pre-made discs now. It's like, you know, the way wow. they, they found a system or a company that, that does that. So, so did you have to make one or did you just send all the assets to that company and they just take care of it? Yeah, you just, you just uh, send assets. You can send one that they could duplicate. Uh, that works too. But, you know, if you have a DVD maker or if you if you know how to do it yourself, which which I did, um, you create a an ISO and, um, you know, a file and send a DVD file and, oh, okay. they'll, and they'll encode it. And then you also have to like make up a, and then, the, the, the sleeve and everything as well. So you make, you, so you do the art and, and all that stuff and, yeah. and the ISO and yep. then they, and then you deliver that and then they 
take it from there. Oh yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I've done that for my own films too, doing the the whole ISO and making the Blu-ray or the DVD. Yeah. Um, and then doing the art. And I have a, I have a, a bunch for my first short film in my office. Oh, wow. I just sit there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome, man. I like this indie rights. These guys sound cool. <laughs> it yeah, sounds yeah. like a really good, good way to go for self-distribution because it's like sort of, it is self-distribution, but it's not really because right. like they're helping you, but they're just taking a little bit off your plate and then, you know, just taking 20%. It's like, that's nice, man. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like that. And then they really, I mean, they call themselves indie rights, but they, I think they really are looking to like, you know, be like a, a spokes company or whatever for, for indie, small indie films. Um, and so they're, um, they're really helpful and really smart. Whatever they're getting into as far as uh, digital distribution platforms, they've researched it and, and, and you know are going into something that that's that's well thought out, which I think is is helpful. And they're not like uh, these other companies, um, you know, like Film Nation or whatever that just take any movie. Like they they are selective on the movies that they take. Yeah, in. yeah. You uh, you if you go to their website, um, you could like uh, submit your film to them um, via the website. You don't have to have any sort of rep or anything. Um, nice, but they, but they do. Um, they are selective about um, the films they pick. Nice, awesome. All right, well, Tom, thanks. Thanks for a fantastic episode. Sure. It's so great to talk to you. I could ask you a lot more questions about Facebook marketing and maybe I will yes. off air because uh, I want to, I want to learn, but uh, if you want to check out our website, you can go to making movies is hard.com. Cool. We can find links to the things we talked about the, on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can also send an email to podcast at making movies is hard.com or you can find us Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I am uh, at, at MMIH podcast. I'm Ulrich B on Twitter and Instagram and Liz can be found at Liz Manichel on all things, I believe. Also, my film, The Alternate, is on social media, too. You guys should be checking that out. That's at The Alternate Film. And then on Twitter, it's at Alternate Film 1. Yes, that's right. So it's The Alternate Film for Facebook and for um, Instagram. And Twitter is Alternate Film 1. Watch the teaser trailer. I'd love to know what people think of that. And yeah, uh, you can also leave a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher, which we don't get very many of. We'd love more of those. And Tom, thanks for an ops episode, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you guys next week. All right. Take care.